Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Man in the Post midweek review show. Um, the, the Sunday guys, Monday guys, wherever they're recording, got the weekend games, the Friday show, got the rest. So tonight we're going to cover the Monday, Tuesday and the just happened Wednesday games. Tonight I have got Tom Larner. How are we doing, Tom? Hello. Evening. Good to have you back on the podcast. Been a while. Yeah. Uh, also joining us from Man in the Post is James Rowe. James, how are we doing? I'm doing well. Good evening, fellas. Nice to speak to you all. Is this your first time in a while as well, James? A long time, yeah. It's not been deliberate. It's certainly it's just my, my own interviews with uh, professional players and managers have really taken on a life of their own in recent months. So uh, glad to be back. Yeah, it's a good job you do with them, so keep them up. And uh, we have a guest tonight, uh, a Liverpool representative. Um, so I'll not wax loose. Too little call. I'll leave that to him. Uh, we've got from Anfield Index, Mr Guy Drinkle. How are you doing, Guy? I'm good, Ali. It's been a while since I've been on this. What, what was the 11 pieces of me last time I was on here? It was indeed, yeah. I mean, that must have been about a year ago as well. Oh, must have been. Must have been. It's probably changed well, since then. <laughs> well, my team's changed about nine times since then, so I dread to think what yours would have done. <laughs> right, so we'll crack on. We'll start with the, the Monday night game. Um, I mean, not, not much really to go over about. Uh, a routine 5 0 win for City. Uh, Tom, did you see much of the game? Yeah, I watched it. It was it was like a training game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He just dominated the whole game. Burnley have given up, haven't they? Burnley, I'd be surprised if they win another game this season because they just look like they did, don't want to be out there. They just look like they wanted the season to be null and void. They're I think they could only name seven subs. Two of them were goalkeepers and five never played for the club before. That's right. Yeah, they've got four players out of contract, haven't they? Yeah, four players refusing to play because their contract was out. They had about three or four injuries as well. So, And they're safe from going down and they can't get European football. So you've got to think they're give a few games to the youngsters for the rest of the season. I mean, they're, they're not going to go on any more injuries for next season, are they? I think that was, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but um, d- were you not surprised at how strong a team City played in this? When you think, I mean, realistically, they, they aren't going to win the league. I mean, they're not going to look, want to look like they're conceding it, but I thought they might have st- tried to start breeding in the well, odds start here you, and there. You say that, but I think they made eight changes from the last game. This is, yeah, uh, valid point, yeah. And if you look at their bench, is ridiculous. Yeah. Sterling, Jesus, De Bruyne, Sane, Laporte, they were all on the bench. Imagine. Yeah. That, that bench, I mean, how many did they have on the bench? Eight, nine. One, two, you get nine on the bench now, yeah. I think all what, eight of those outfield players will be starting for most Premier League teams. Oh, do you not think that nine could probably beat a lot of 11s in the Premier League? It could definitely beat that Burnley 11. As a, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so any standout moments for you? I thought Mares was good. Yep. Mares very it's, it's he's the sort of player I like. He comes in from the wing, he runs at defenders. No no defend, no fullback. Once a pacey player running at you, he can go both ways as well. It's just it's very different to when Bernardo Silva plays out there who sort of sort of cuts in every time and looks at it. Mares he goes out right, he cuts back in and he completely did the uh, left back for the goal where he's cut back in and then cut back out. Yeah, no, you can see why he was so instrumental at Leicester and why City paid so much to get him, not even to be a regular starter. Uh, James, did you see much of this game? Um, I only saw the highlights of this game, but obviously with the with the score and uh, echoing what Tom says really about Mahrez, um, 
I remember when uh, the when the the season that Leicester when they uh, looked as if they were going to go down and he was on the bench at Leicester couldn't get in the starting lineup, and now you see how quickly progress progression can be made with certain players. I thought uh, Phil Foden also done well, and uh, hopefully he'll get more of an opportunity. And um, I think what Tom says is right. You know, Burnley they can't really go either way. I think they're just happy to to be in the Premier League, and I think. Um, I think in some cases, even though it was a route for Manchester City, it kind of um, overshadowed what happened off the pitch in the air kind of thing. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, I was going to touch on that after, but yeah, right enough. I mean, there's, I think Burnley have handled it themselves very well. Um, I mean, what's you guys' thoughts on like how, how it was handled? I mean, I'm sure we all condone the actions, but nothing can really be put on the club here, can it? Well, of course it can't. There's nothing to do with the club. It's every club has that minority of supporters that are technically associated with the club and you can't do anything about it. I mean, but you've got to think the thought process in doing something like that. That's that's not just one person. Unfortunately, I I can't say I'm too surprised. I kind of expected it. The worrying worrying thing is when you see people on, on Twitter and social media condemning the actions of stuff like that, if you just look through the replies, there's so many racists comments. Yeah. And the worrying thing is, they get a lot of likes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And retweet. And retweet. Exactly. You just think, what? Where, where are all these people coming from? What? What is going on through their head? Uh, there's, there's, there's quite. It's quite easy to tell, you know, who they are on Twitter as well. And, and I, I don't want to be judgmental, but nine times out of ten, they've got that Union Jack in their name. Exactly. You know, they've got. And then they'll start off with, I'm not racist, but, you know, or, we know who or they'll, hi- or they'll hide, hide behind the facade where they won't use their real photo, for example. Of course, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and I think it's the mechanism of, I mean, years ago, you know, when you had disagreements with someone about different things, I think social media, a lot of people hide behind now and they write things that you wouldn't dare say to somebody's face because they know that they're not going to be caught out. They know that um, they've kind of got a carte blanche to do these awful things. But apparently, the perpetrator who arranged it has been sacked from his job. That's what I read. To the, that's what I read this evening. Yeah, what a shame. That's true. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what you expect in today's world. You know, social media is great. Like, let's be honest, it, it is so good. I mean, none of us would be speaking without social media. Mm. Um, but it also has no repercussions that people feel they can say and do what they like. Mm. Um, and that's the downside. And we, unfortunately, we do have to take the good with the bad until some sort of measure comes in that, I don't know, you need to, you can't have like fake profiles. It can only be profiles with like your full identity on it sort of thing. Do you um, know what my suggestion would be, Ali? Yep. When you open up an account, you upload your, um, your, a copy of your passport. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's the most logical way, but I think I think too many people would feel threatened to have such information logged with certain companies as such. Um, but yes, but, that's the logical way. You can only have it with your own identification. But well, if, you, they're, if they're going to air their views like that online, they should be. Yeah. I thought um, the Burnley was it Ben Me, the captain at the end, who did the yeah, interview mm. afterwards. I thought that was very good for him. Yeah. To, the the. Um, the interview, I don't know who was interviewing him, but they put him right on the spot, didn't he, with those questions straight afterwards. And I thought he spoke very well about it, and just condemning the actions and saying it's not it's not the view of the club or any of the players. Yeah, no, no it was fantastic. But we'll, we'll move on from that just now. Uh, Guy, anything to add on the, the City game? Or shall we move on to Leicester-Brighton? Uh, yeah, just move on. I think they've covered it well, that one. Yeah, right. So, on Tuesday night, on the early kickoff, we had Leicester v Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, uh, Rather drag nil nil. Um, That's a compliment. Yeah, missed penalty by Brighton. Um, I think Brighton have looked quite lively. They're just they seem to be missing a couple of players, playing much better football than probably the table shows. Um, Guy, what do you think of this game? Yeah, it was quite an interesting game. I mean, I have kind of a soft spot for Burnley, not Burnley, Brighton, <laughs> due, uh, due to um, FM, even though they sacked me <laughs> and then got hired by Leicester, coincidentally. Um, but uh, no, I quite like Brighton, and they're one of them teams that just they try and play nice football, even though 
I mean, they've probably been struggling, and but as you say, on a restart, they've d- they've done quite well, and um, there looks like there's some fresh faces in there from uh, pre-COVID, in terms of McAllister, who they signed from Argentina in the summer, but I think their season obviously finishes our January or whatever it is, or I couldn't register until then. Uh, Lamperty, they obviously signed from um, Chelsea. Um, yep. He he looked he looked really impressive. I mean, he's quite quite small and quite slight, but he looked he looked like one of them. Maybe the next, next and next and next in line of the, the right backs of England coming through behind Trent, Reese, James, Wambasaka, etc. Yeah, he's uh, good at time, isn't he? Mm, he he looks he looks really good, and I'm I'm not sure how much they've spent on him, but it, it it's probably a bargain, whatever it was. Um, and then and Brighton in that first half, they look like they look like the better team, to be honest. Uh, and I know I know it's football's only just restarted, but I'm not sure why Brendan's. <sighs> tinkering so much with his team i know i know you got a, a rotate in this situation but messing about with formation when they've pretty much played 4-1-4-1 4-1 all season then going to 4-4-2 all of a sudden it just seems a bit seems a tad strange to me and obviously me me and you ali have experience of brendan yeah. rogers at, at liverpool where he had a set system for so long in a 4-3-3 dart and then diamond came along and then all of a sudden we were changing three at the back five at the back three at three in midfield three up top zero up top it, it just kind of imploded i mean what do you reckon that can happen at leicester i mean you've probably saw more of him at celtic than i did as well has he changed from his liverpool days it's hard to judge because because of the Celtic days, he he was so dominant there. I think he only lost three or four league games mm. in his three two and a half seasons that he was there. Um, so he didn't really have to change. You know, he just put put the same eleven on the park really um, every week. I, I did feel he had changed. I think that I really had thought and kind of hoped um, in a way that he had changed because he'd seen success. He'd He'd won the trophies, you know, he'd got into Europe. He had that unbeaten season, regardless of what you think of Scottish football, to go undefeated in the mm. whole season. You know, no other manager had achieved it in such a long time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, a worrying stat for Leicester fans, anybody that's listening, I read today, whether it's true or not, they've only took 17 points from the last 15 league games. That is that, a worry. That's concerning for a team who were challenging for the title in December. Mm, especially with Wolves starting quite well, and Man, albeit it's against us, we'll get to Sheffield United, obviously, but Man United and Wolves look like they might be ready to pounce on the top four race. Yeah, definitely. Tom, you you were um, a bit negative on this when I mentioned the game. Oh, this was dire. I was so disappointed with Leicester. They To play two holding midfielders at home to Brighton and to take so long to change it when, they were, when it was... Brighton, Brighton, okay in the first half, but they came out in the second half for a point, for the nil-nil, and it took it took Leicester about took um, I think it was only twenty minutes before the end until they made their first sub and got one of the holding midfielders off. They just they just weren't positive enough. This is a Brighton team who was sitting back. They ran out of legs. It, like the guy up front on his own, Connolly, by the end was could barely stand up. He was that knackered, and they just weren't pushing forward enough. They weren't really creating any good chances. They weren't running at defenders. Harvey Barnes, uh, was it Harvey Barnes who came on? He looked, he looked okay, but it's asking a lot for someone to come on in the last 20 minutes and make such a difference. But I'd like to see some earlier subs. Yeah, two subs in the 70th minute and one in the 73rd. So they only used three of the five allowed subs as well. It was like maybe both teams had kind of, you know, just settled for the point sort of thing. Uh, I mean, Leicester, they're far just now, maybe, do you think they're resting on the laurels a bit too much, as we say, Man United and Wales, which obviously we'll come on to in a bit later on with the results this evening, but maybe just feeling a bit too confident in there? We, brought, we know Brendan has got a, a, a slight ego, shall we say. Uh, possibly. Um, I think this uh, these games, since the resumption of the Premier League, has is, is, is re- is reiterated how long a Premier League season actually is even with the corona situation that we find ourselves in. I found it very strange that Tielemans was on the bench. You know, such a creative player who's got such great experience as well. Also, um, playing for Monaco, you know, he can invent and he can help that midfield. And I I found it very strange that he was on the bench. And and even though I don't think Brighton will get relegated, a missed penalty in such a situation 
will um you never know how costly that's going to be and uh, you know if that could be the difference between them securing um re- uh, another stay another season in the premier league or getting relegated or go although i don't think they will go down but i'll, I'll use again about david Pulper. obviously he had a good game against arsenal last uh, last saturday and he's in my opinion he's such an underrated player i've i've known mm. of him since his time here in the netherlands with vitessa when he was he looked odds on to go to um to go to ajax and then it didn't it didn't come off. But uh, I had a successful stint at PSV, you know, b- becoming champion as well. And uh, I think he's an excellent player. And um, it's nice to see him on form for Brighton since the restart. I, I agree with you there, James. Just before we, we move on, um, I, I do think Brighton are, are going to be OK. But that, those two points could prove pivotal. Um, where Watford's form at the moment as well, they're just quite lucky that the bottom four really aren't aren't on any sort of form whatsoever. Um, well, whatever form is just now, but um, none of them are looking too too lively. But um, we'll move on from there. And the, the the evening game that I think we all we all seen was uh, Tottenham Hotspur two West Ham nil. A routine win for Tottenham. West Ham again kind of look look lost at sea, James. Well, uh, yeah, you wonder um, you wonder if if they're gonna do themselves any favours and if they can really. Um, um, galvanised himself enough to get enough points to stay up because it's not looking uh, it's not looking um, healthy being out of the bottom three just on goal difference and, it, and it's only uh, two goals by the way and um, you wonder if um, you wonder if it, even if regardless of what happens if this is David Moyes' last uh, season um, at the club you know obviously returning but I mean, I saw a tweet earlier about you know the owners of West Ham and the and the owners when they was at Birmingham City, the types of managers they employed, and the relegations that they suffered and that kind of thing. And you think with West Ham being a traditional London club as well, that that club I think and that team they could do with maybe a, a younger manager who's got a bit more nous about him. I'm not saying that Moyes is a bad manager, but as the saying goes, never go, never go back. We'll I, I, I can't see West Ham going down, but um, it hasn't, exa- hasn't exactly helped. You know, they tried to make a pro- progression in the London Stadium, you know, making uh, making good signings such as Anderson, for example, among others. And um, I just wonder if um, if the fit with the manager is entirely right. But um, you know, a good win for Tottenham as well, and uh, for them to get points on the board again, change going, and um, yeah, strange times for West Ham at the moment. Yeah, Tom, massive win for Tottenham, really, isn't it? The, especially after the the, the Jose rant um, earlier on in the day or the, the day before. Yeah, it was it was just a matter of time before they scored in this game, wasn't it? They pretty much dominated it. Yep. West, West, say about West Ham uh, might not go down. I didn't think they looked bothered at all during this game. I think there was only two players out there, Jared Bowen and Declan Rice, who actually put effort in. They just they just didn't look fast. They didn't look fast that they're in a relegation battle, and they're like, oh, yeah, if we go down, it doesn't matter. I mean, they made when the two subs came on. I think it was Lanzini and Anderson yeah. came on with 20 minutes to go when they're one nil down, and they just jogged around. Just yeah. jogged around, just like, oh yeah, we'll get we'll get 20 minutes in, get a little bit of fitness. Doesn't really matter if we lose. They they, they can't just <laughs> come on and do that. They they need points. There was still a chance and get something in this game, but they just didn't look that bothered. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I for one, I look forward to them going down if they do go down. Um, there's something about them. I just uh, they're not. They're they not think, they think they deserve to be in there, no matter how bad they are. They think, oh yeah, we're a big club. We'll be fine. We'll, we deserve to stay up because we're a bigger club than Bournemouth and Watford and everyone. But if you don't get the points, you don't deserve to stay up. Yeah, one of the first incidents of, of our talking points. Um, since we've been back in this game, which I didn't see any controversy here at all, but seeming, seemingly we're we're back to this millimetre distance again. Any issues with it? any of you three? No, nope. it wasn't controversial at all because he was offside, and surprisingly, they actually made the decision quite quickly, which makes a change. It didn't take five minutes to get the line straight. Yeah, that was good to see as well. Yep, uh, guy, Harry came back in the score sheet. Yeah, after a zero out of ten performance. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's been him for the last 
two years, pretty much. He's had such a weird career. He's gone from being probably one of the most underrated players in the country now to the most overrated. And it's just very strange. I mean, yeah, it's great he's back on the score sheet and stuff like that, but Spurs getting a win. It's against West Ham, and one was an own goal. So if I was a Spurs fan, I'd still be quite worried. Yeah. Do we know who's on next for Spurs? Oh, God, I don't know. Whoever it is, they'll be better than West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's Norwich, Aston Villa, or Bournemouth. That's just still, at least they look arsed. <laughs> well, maybe not Norwich. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's have a look if my app actually loads. Just put some elevator music in there. Yeah, I know. It's quite, this is pure podcasting from us all here. It is, it is. We've done it before. I help, it helps if my app Sheffield is... Sheffield United, Bournemouth and Newcastle Ooh. the next three games. That's a massive three mm. games for Tottenham. Um, oh, no, uh, that's just the weekend games. They've got Everton, Arsenal and Leicester in there as well. Good well, God. I mean, do, do Spurs, or should Spurs have any ambitions of Europe and top four? You, you'd rather be out the Europa League if you're Spurs, if I'm honest. Do you not think that Europa might be their only chance into the top four with Chelsea obviously improving their squad, Man City and Liverpool being who they are? You would like to feel, well, you wouldn't personally, but you think Man United will get stronger and I believe Wolves are just going to get stronger and stronger as well. Well, possibly, but if they want to, if it's Tottenham. <laughs> well, they've not exactly got a history of winning things, never mind a European competition. It's nothing, isn't it? Yeah, so... Yeah. I'd rather, if, if I was a Spurs fan, I know it's easy saying it as a Liverpool fan, you'd probably rather finish, is it ninth that I'd guarantee you out the thing now? Because of Man City situation. So if you finish ninth or eighth, if you want to get as high as you possibly can, um, finish out of Europe and then have a season like Leicester this season. If Leicester were in Europe, I doubt they'd be third. Look at look at the toll that's had on the squad already. I mean, when Ndidi was unfit, they were screwed. And you look yeah. at and you look at um, Spurs now. I mean, first and foremost, they should probably sack Jose Mourinho. But uh, that's another that's another discussion. But uh, they need they need to be as fresh as possible because Harry Kane rushes back from every injury. He's pretty much ruining his own career. And if they don't have Harry Kane fit, well, they probably look a bit better if Son's up front. But um, I think. They'd, they'd, they need to just focus on solely getting in the top four because that new stadium is not going to be paid for by itself. Yeah, that's massive for them, yeah. Um, right, so we'll move on from that and we'll go to tonight's last fixtures. So we had four early kickoffs. Um, we'll start with the, the probably the most entertaining one of them all. Um, Manchester United 3, Sheffield United none. Uh, I don't know if this was Man United were good or Sheffield United just haven't looked at it. Um, since they come back, that that goal disallowed against Villa or not given seems to really just put a dampener on them. They just don't seem themselves. Um, let's go. Let's go with James. James, what do you think of this game? Well, I believe it was Marshall, Marshall's first hat trick in I think seven years. Man United's first hat trick since Man United's that, first hat trick. Goodness. And it will Marshall. I mean, I, I, I've rated him personally since I saw him play for Monaco against Arsenal in 2015. I thought. I mean, I, I know he's not the most consistent player, but he's definitely got something. And in regards to Sheffield United, they must be wondering how how quickly things can change in football. I know it sounds cliche, but you know when they were riding the crest of a wave under such a a fantastic manager in Chris Wilder, and it, you know they've they've come back, and as you say, they might be affected by the um, by what happened at Villa Park, and then to lose two games in a row, three nil. But I just refer back to my earlier point. You know, it's a, it's, it's a long football season and I think many football fans um, forget how long it actually is. And I hope that they don't tail off completely because having spoken to players that have played under Chris Wilder and the, the fantastic motivational skills the man's got and the, the man management of him, I'd hate for that to all be overshadowed by tailing off at the end of the season and um, and for them to kind of fall away and people not to give them credit for what they've done as a, as a promoted team. And in terms of Manchester United, you know, Fernandez as well, and he's given them such an, an injection of something different, which they needed. And working together with um, Pogba, for example, he saw, he saw that away at Tottenham as well. 
Um, and they're making a, a run for ch- potential Champions League football. Obviously, it depends on the Man City's um, the result of Man City's appeal. Appeal, but um, I think United are giving themselves a great chance. No, absolutely. Um, I thought Martial Tom was excellent in this game. Um, took his goals really well. Probably could have had one or two more. He had a half chance off a still one of Pogba, didn't he? Yes. Um, yeah, he looks sharp, and it's. It's always nice to see an attacker gambling on situations, sprinting into the six-yard box. Too many, too many players just linger on the edge, waiting for the cutback, or thinking, "Oh, I'm not going to make it. I won't make that run." But for the first, I think it was the first goal, especially yeah, as being, Rashford's drilled it straight across, and he's darted in on that six-yard box. It's exactly what you want when you're playing up front. Yeah, must be frustrating for United fans to to see this this week, and then you'll probably get like a a five out of ten performance in the next week. Yeah, I think they probably benefited from playing a team like Sheffield United, who haven't really got going at all, have they, since the, since the restart? I mean, there's three games and they haven't scored a goal yet. Yeah, well, yeah. Te- they technically, good. they haven't scored a goal. Yeah, I mean, think- good against Villa, that's what I, I said at the start. Yeah, and, and that goal's kind of, it seems to just really dishearten them in a way. And- I, I watched the um, game against, New- was it Newcastle where they lost 3-0? Yeah, they managed it off, yeah. I know it's been I know it's been three months, but some of those Sheffield United players looked like they hadn't kicked a football in about three years. I think Ollie Norwood, every time he got the ball, he just passed it straight to a Newcastle player. Now he's just this is unusual because Sheffield United are normally quite a consistent team. They don't really ship a lot of goals. They play some nice football at times with the overlapping centre backs, which again is something that we haven't seen since. Uh, football's resumed because O'Connell's been injured and Egan got sent off. So they've had to have a different a different partnership in every game so far, which can't be helping. Yeah, Chris and Dave covered that as well, just about the, the, the amount of missed passes that there's been since they came back. And I guess that's probably the hardest thing for the for the players to get that rhythm, the bit of fluidity back in. It's OK doing running to keep fit. And then for what time you probably had back training with the teams, it would probably been working on systems and set up and not so much getting you know getting your touch back getting the, those passing just that instinct um whilst they're professionals i suppose their accuracy should be there more than it has been but i suppose you could kind of give them a bit of a bit of a break just now you know, for the first couple of games back i mean they've massively overachieved this season anyway if you if you look at their squad man for man it's you'd still say it's a championship squad really i mean mm. How many of those players would you say are Premier League quality? Not many, especially in the attacking sense. When you've got David McGoldrick starting up front, uh, oh, Billy Sharp, Ollie McBurnley, Liz Mousset, none of them have got Premier League goals to their name or any real Premier League experience. But it's also, Tom, how Wilders galvanised them and made them a team. I mean, I was at, I was at the Emirates back in January for Arsenal-Sheffield United. And Arsenal were winning 1-0. Wilder makes three subs, including Callum Robinson, who came through the youth setup at Aston Villa. And every sub that he made gave them that little bit more impact to go on to get something out of the game. And they managed to get a point, and it could have well been all three. And Arteta had no answer. And you see the difference between somebody who started all the way at the bottom and has slowly built, himself, built themselves up. I mean, I, I spoke to Richard Stearman this season... Yeah, Sheffield United was in the Championship before the, before they come up to the Premier League, and I asked him about Chris Wilder, and he said he said I've never known anyone to stand in front of a group of players and be able to motivate them so well. Even the subs that are not playing, that they, that they want to go through walk on hot coals for him, and they want to run through brick walls for him. And I think he's had an excellent season as a as a, as a, as a debut manager in the Premier League. I think he's done ever so well, and I would find it a shame. If they tail off completely, where where people will um, will think, oh, you know, they haven't had a good season when when really they have. Yeah, I I don't think that will happen. I think wherever they finish in the top half, I think it's still an achievement. Anything above sixteenth was going to be an achievement this season for them. So, uh, guy, what just quickly on this game? Anything that stood out for yourself? Um, I did turn it off at two 0 I won't lie. <laughs> um, I was not watching the rest of that. Um, but the overall points, as I said in the previous game, or rather the Champions League spots, Man United look a lot, uh, a lot better. Um, 
it's not really answered the question, but it was interesting seeing Pogba and Fernandes in the same team. Um, yeah. Pogba a tad more reserved, but we've seen him do that for France. I mean, normally he has, in that situation, he'd have Kante, which is better than a 70-year-old Matic, I suppose. But it'd be interesting to see that midfield against a team that isn't, like, shot, uh, well, isn't knackered, injury hit, and pretty much a little confidence at the min by the looks of it. So there's still tad, a couple of question marks about that starting eleven, but um, Man United certainly looking the ascendancy, which for us two is not really great, but who cares? <laughs> who cares at the minute if it does too? But uh, yeah, I think United, I had them as my favourite to get top four, and whether it's getting it through the top five or whatever, but it, wouldn't, it really wouldn't surprise me if, if United continue like this and even finish, I don't know, above Leicester and Chelsea. Yeah, no, definitely. Right, I'm going to run through the next three games really quick, so I'll give you a game each. So we'll start with Wolves 1, Bournemouth 0. I'm going to give that to you, Guy, with your man Adama. Take us away. Yes. Well, I only watched it because that's the game I slipped. (laughs) No, I I went to uh, the Norwich game, which was a bloody mistake uh, because that was awful. But uh, someone else can talk about that, unfortunately, for them. Um, But when I put this on, Wolves just looked different class to them, to be honest. Um... No, they weren't getting anywhere near him. Adama, I mean, if you've not seen the clip, it's, I think it's on BT's Twitter. Um, he lit- It's not even the goal. It's just he literally gets the ball on the edge of his own box and just literally jogs past their entire team till someone fouls him. Like, I jokingly talk about him coming to Liverpool, but now there's actually linked. It's kind of <laughs> exciting. Like, I, I'm from Middlesbrough, and he was obviously here, um, or near Middlesbrough, and he, he was up here, and he set the championship on fire, and it, it'd be good crack if he ended up at Liverpool, but it, for me, he's, he's the most fun player to watch in, in the uh, in the league at the minute, um, and Wolves just doing what the thing, Adama to Jimenez, it's it's FPL dreams, isn't it, and that's why I've got them both, and I'm bloody happy. Um but for Bournemouth, I mean, I may have only watched 30, 40 minutes. You, we talked about West Ham. They're in real trouble, aren't they? Yes, it's it's yeah. not great. I mean, Norwich looked down. Villa at least got a point. They so did, it, yeah. it's between them three teams with Norwich at the minute to go down. And it's just whoever's least embarrassing at, at the minute, really. And, and Bournemouth, I mean, albeit Fraser kind of packed in the bags at the start of this season he's a huge miss for them David Brooks he's a good player but he's been out for pretty much a year so he's rusty um, Callum Wilson maybe the biggest purple patch player in history he always starts seasons well and by the end of the season he's like how was he a Premier League player that's definitely <laughs> continued um, it just doesn't look promising promising at all for uh, for Bournemouth. They just look like they've run out of ideas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now that Callum Wilson stopped scoring, mm. Tom Solanke's never going to score a Premier League goal for the rest of his career. I mm-hmm. think we never knows that. <laughs> we, we know that. <laughs> they've they've spent money very badly in the last couple of years. I think everyone can agree with that. It's, it's great for me and Ali. <laughs> yeah, it's good for Liverpool again. Yeah. So they must have signed four or five players from Liverpool. Just for ridiculous money. Mm. Been... Brad Smith, Solanke, Ibe. And they had Klein on loan. So, yeah, decent, decent wedge. Harry Wilson oh. on loan as well. Oh, Harry Wilson, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's, actually been, he's actually been good for them there, so they don't count. <laughs> yes, I watched the, um, the little highlight package that... Uh, uh, Sky Sports put together on their app for this game and uh, Bournemouth didn't have a shot on target and the only highlight <laughs> of Bournemouth they showed was uh, them almost putting a cross in which got blocked mm. <laughs> yeah, and that sums up Bournemouth's performance Yeah. the sad thing oh. about Bournemouth is though they could do with like Sam Allardyce and I never want to be one for that but if they want to stay up you have yeah, to question I, Eddie Howard. They've had their time now. They're, they're doing what a few of the smaller teams have done in the mm. last 10 years. The the Wiggins, the Swansea's. They've got promoted, started off well, and gradually got worse and worse and worse mm. and worse until Absolutely. they get relegated and then they won't come back up. No, I agree with that, but we'll, we'll move on from that. And I will give, we'll go Newcastle, Aston Villa, one each. Uh, and Tom, take it away. Uh, I only saw the highlights of this game as well, but it looked like it looked like quite a good game from the highlights. Anyway, it looked like there was a few chances. I mean, Villa again, just they don't really. 
I can't think of the right word to describe them. They're just a bit disappointing, really. I think they've got quite a lot of creative players, but they never seem to go out and dominate games and attack, attack, attack. They've got Grealish, who, in my opinion, is overrated. Jack Grealish, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not on. I'm not on the Grealish bandwagon. Right, but they've got players like El Ghazi, Trezeguet. They're just players that you, you look like they can make something happen, but then they don't do it enough. See, and for me, Grealish isn't overrated. We don't know if he's overrated yet. I think he needs. Grealish is the type of player who needs players who are at his ability around him. And unfortunately, at Villa, there's none apart from John McGinn, who's obviously just coming back from the the bad injury. He's, he's, he's head and shoulders above anybody around him and he's not the type of player who can drag a team to win a game you know he's not got that I don't know James Madison's even got that little bit of spark where he can mm. win something out of nothing but the, uh, I feel Grealish's game's about all his link up and his interplay the thing is is he going to be one of them success stories who, who goes to the next level or is he going to be Wilfred Zaha and who, who's going to spend 60 million to figure that out Man United. Are they that stupid though? I mean, they've just brought Fernandez, who's in the same position. Same, I know he plays left is he, wing. Is he good enough? Is he that good? I think well, he. I, I think he's. Know. I literally think he's more. Everton. I think he's more Everton than United. He, he's English and he's premium. A, a club like that will take even even a City will take a, no. Take a like that. City aren't that stupid. <laughs> Not when they're getting investigated for money laundering or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> very, very true. Um, <laughs> for me, a wee personal highlight of this game was Andy Carroll coming on and, and setting up the, the Newcastle goal. Does he still have his goal. mutton chops? Sorry. He does. Yeah. Yes, I've, beautiful. I've got, a big, I've got a big soft spot for Andy. He did well for us. and I mean, his price tag obviously didn't do him any justice, but oh, I, I'm delighted. I, I like to see him doing well. Um, but I, I just seen the highlights like you, Tom. Um, it, it seemed quite a, a fun game. Um, best result, probably both teams not could hope for, obviously, because Villa wanted a win, but kind of what you expected. Um, I mean, Newcastle are, Newcastle are safe. Um, and obviously, Villa have got it all to play for. Their only hope is if they can keep grabbing points and Bournemouth and, and West Ham really do look at the teams that are really struggling. Um and talking about a team that we'd fairly say are definitely relegated, uh, Norwich lost at home to Everton, uh, where Michael Keane goal from a corner, I believe it was. Uh, James, did you see much of this? Did you see the highlight package? Um, I did. And uh, the thing that struck me first and foremost was how on earth Daniel Farker can leave out Pukki and Cantwell. They have contributed 17 of um, Norwich's 25 goals this season. And you're trying to stay up. You're trying to gain points to stay up. I was at Carrow Road last December for the 2-2 draw against Arsenal. Both them players scored. And um, Arsenal were lucky, very poor that day. Norwich could have even won. And I don't understand how Norwich have let a manager like Farrakhan stay in charge when naturally if you get promoted from the Premier League, you want to stay there. And in the case of Puki and Cantwell, I've rated Cantwell since he came on loan here in Benevolence to Fortuna Sittard. He came on loan here to Benevolence and helped Fortuna Sittard get promoted for the first time in 16 years. And he was a, a real young man, but he was kind of, it kind of took everything in his stride and, um, and it helped him to become a more cultured player. And I, I rate Todd Cantwell. I think he's, he's, I hope that if Norwich do go down, which is looking likely, I hope that another biggish club picks him up because he'll no doubt go on to improve. But I think Norwich, first and foremost, to leave these two players out when you're fighting for points and you're trying to stay up, I think it's reckless is what it is. And um, uh, obviously a um, keen scoring for Everton. And Ancelotti as well, you know, Arsenal with the debacle of what happened with their manager and the inexperienced manager novice that we have now. I mean, I would have liked Ancelotti even after Wenger left. And if you think of Ancelotti building a dynasty at AC Milan, managing Paris Saint-Germain, managing Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, you know, I think he'll be really good for Everton. I think Everton will make rapid progress under him because he's such a vastly experienced manager. And a good, a good away win for Everton as well against a poor Norwich side. But... Um, 
Yeah, it's not looking good for Norwich at all. And you wonder if they do go down, I, I can't see him returning. And much like much like um, what Tom said about the teams that have been in the Premier League in recent years gradually got worse, and, and you know they don't they don't look as if they're going to return straight away. And I think that will be the case for Norwich as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think there's much to add on what you said there, James. I think Norwich are are, are definitely going down. The team selection said it all. The, the lateness of even bringing those players on to try and change it. Um, Everton have looked a much better side under Ancelotti. Um, not not sure how well he'll do. I still think it's a strange acquisition, more so for him. Um, but, I mean, time will tell if they get money. I mean, there's no denying it. He's getting money. 30 mil a year. He's doing all right, Ancelotti. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Was that 3 0 or 1 3? No, 3 0. Goodness. Yeah, he's, he's doing okay. So, we'll move on to the, the late game where the, the champions-elect won 4-0 at home at Crystal Palace. Much much better performance guy than, than the first game back, yeah? Oh, God, I. Oh, Jesus, yeah. It was <laughs> so much better. But the thing is, at the, the start of the game, you kind of feeling... I wasn't concerned we'd lose or anything, but you think it oh, might be another one of them yeah, frustrating games. Unfortunately, Trent does what he does, but I mean, as soon as we went one and up, it was just an absolute transformed team. And that, we've not been bad away from home because obviously we're top of the league by a million miles. But at home at Anfield, we we've just been absolutely different, gravy. I spent like more more Salah. I think it was like fifteen and fifteen. Um, yeah. Uh, the stat before the the, uh, the game, it, it we're just an absolute different animal, and it's summed up by. Um, by most stats there and yeah just everything everything we had I mean as soon as Zaha went off it was done for them it was nil nil or bust for them um, and yeah Trent still forgot how to cross but he can put a ball in the top of the top corner so that'll do me yes. and then then after that I mean Fabinho he's probably been the biggest concern since he came obviously months of Covid and stuff like that but since he came back he kind of forgot how to play football because yeah. it, it was his first major injury in, in his career. Um, I think that's what's been said. Um, and you could tell he was just rusty. Everything. Like, he literally forgot how to run about. And this, he was he was good against Everton, or especially after the first 10 minutes where he gave the ball away yeah. a couple, yeah. Uh, but in this game, he, he was just everything. Everything that we liked from the halfway through last season into this season. Um, and that's why he was up for most people would have had a him and Mane in our top two of Player of the Year about Octoberish when he got injured. That that's how good he is. And it, if he can finish off the season as he started these next eight, seven, eight games, and then into next season whenever the hell that is, it pe- people outside of Liverpool fan base will see that he is he is up there with the best midfielders in the country, if not the world. Like, and it's hard to you can't compare him to De Bruyne or anything like that. But Fabinho, he can do everything. In terms of a DM, he's got the passing range. He's got a shot, <laughs> um, and he's just—he's just got them telescopic legs that just seem to tackle from in, everywhere. Um, I think someone called him Vieira-ish, like a bit before. Like I, I saw Vieira, but I didn't appreciate Vieira because I, I was pretty much a kid. But he, he just seems to have everything. And today, it's—it's it's just a. It's just so good to see him back. And and same with Robbo and Moore, who we missed absolutely hugely against Everton. Because Robbo is seemingly our only left-footed defensive player in the bloody club. Um, who can play left-back? And when it's Milner or, or Gomez, it, it, it's just not the same. Like I'm up for playing like LaRucci or Adam Lewis at left-back if, he, if he's not fit. Especially now that we're on the brink of winning the title. Um, and Moore, I mean... I like Minamino. Origi deserves a statue, even though he's not too good. Um, but Mo Salah, most underrated player in the league. He, he just is. He's, he's a goddamn freak. He's an absolute freak. He, it's just so underappreciated. It, maybe it's because he had the first season and he went to from superhuman levels to just slight, just slightly mutantish levels. But he, he's just an absolute. He's an absolute freak. And anyone who doesn't say he's the best. Winger in the country, they're just wrong. The only other option you can say is Mane. That's it. 
it's nice to hear somebody else say this stuff on on these podcasts rather than just me, guy. Um, <laughs> Tom, I know you didn't see much of this. Have you seen any of the highlights when we've been talking or any of the goals? I haven't seen them yet, no. I heard like, Trent's was a good free kick, though. Yeah, free kick, about 20 yards out. Um, Salah's goal, Fabinho played a nice little chip ball behind the defence. Salah kind of took it down his chest and kind of chip volleyed the goalkeeper as the goalie went down. Um, for me, the, the goal of the game was Fabinho's uh, 25 yards, maybe. Just one of the cleanest strikes you'll see, just side right into the side net. And, um, and I missed Manny's goal because... The game is over, so I took the dogs out while we were... Just, just, just go back and watch Salah's pass for it. it right. It's disgusting. So disgusting. Did you see much of this game? Um, I saw the uh, Fabinho goals and the Trent Alexander-Arnold free kick. And um, I just wanted to add, really, that um, fully deserved champions elect. And I wanted to make a couple of points as well. There are certain managers that fit certain clubs like a glove. And, uh, and Klopp is one of them in this instance. And I also think the owners of Liverpool also need to uh, to be praised, you know, to be so serious and so disciplined to, to go out and get them the players in the positions they needed to get them over the line to go on and achieve this uh, feat for the first time in 30 years. Um, that also needs to be praised. You know, my club also having an American owner and um, we could only dream of having something like that. You know, we he touched on Fabinho as well. You know, he was in that same Monaco side as Martial in 2015. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think people didn't appreciate how good that Monaco side was. You know, not just as a team, but also individually. And Salah as well, you know, people forget. But he's, he had his days at Basel. And uh, when he first t- rocked up at Chelsea and wasn't deemed good enough and did very well in uh, in Roma. And also Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, such such a a breakout season to be so important at such a young age it's such a massive club it's a tremendous uh, a tremendous attribute to him as a, as a player and as a person and you wonder if he can get even better in future well on trade I mean I, I watch a lot of club about him a lot but is that, this, I think this is his third season am I right guy? Uh, two and a half he kind of two came in for a bit didn't he and him and Gomez swapped about didn't they? Two and a half seasons as a starter, at 20-year-old, he's been in two Champions League finals, winning one, about to win the league, um, pretty much a regular in England squad now. That's a phenomenal achievement, you know, at such a young age already. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely is, absolutely is. No, I fully agree. And if Southgate keeps picking Trippier... He might be out of his depth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we could have said that before then anyway. That's very true. Can I add something else for the game, Ali? And I'm sure you'll appreciate this. Yeah. Mamadou Sakho is a brilliant. He's brilliant in every way. He's just funny. I love yeah. him. <laughs> how can you how can you dummy more so when he's on the goal line? <laughs> oh so amazing. I do miss that mad crazy bar. Yeah. Um a little stat from the game. Um just before Ross starts shouting at us for the time and talking about Liverpool so much. Crystal Palace failed to record a single touch in the opposition box. Didn't Wilfred Zaha go off early? Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's major part of it. But that's still... I mean, they, they didn't... I mean, as, as good as Liverpool were, I mean, they just didn't offer anything. Again, you could kind of tell they're... You know, they're safe. Like, mm. I'm just talking about Liverpool, I suppose we should mention... We should mention Palace, but mm-hmm. they are. I mean, they're ninth. They, they are that eighth, ninth, tenth team every season. You know, they do enough yeah. really early. Um, they're so inconsistent. That's the problem. You never know which Palace is going to turn yeah. up. Not just not just recently. The rest, the whole of the season, really. But they, obviously, they rely on Zaha a lot. I mean, you would have a player with that talent, but there's games where he's just completely anonymous. Yeah. And then you just wonder who else is going to create something. And they've had. I know they've had. A, a lot of defensive injuries, so they've had to chop and change a bit. But mm. you never know which Crystal Palace is going to turn up on the day. Thing is, he didn't play Ben Teke against Liverpool as well. I know it's not Skirtle Lovren Liverpool anymore, but Ben Teke loves playing us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hodgson deserves a lot of credit for a lot of his managerial time. Um, obviously, we we are not fond of him, guy from from our time, but he has a he's had a successful career. 
and he deserves the credit for the longevity mm-hmm. of it as well. Mm-hmm. Hey, Klopp, uh, Klopp called him a uh, someone he studied before the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think it's probably because before most of our time, um, mm. the attention to football was when he was good. I mean, I remember the Fulham days, the European run, um, and that that was excellent. But yeah, I, I mean, Palace are safe. I mean, they were the last team to beat Liverpool in the league, weren't they? Uh, at home. Uh, 55, yeah. 56 years ago, so they've always been that team, so that that much made more of us. Um, before we wrap up, I've got one question for the three years that I did put in our man in the post chat earlier, but deleted it rather quickly because I thought it would be a good question for here. Now, on Wolves, top four or not top four this season? One word answers, that's all. Uh, one word answers, I will go for hopefully. Hopefully, I like that, James. <laughs> Um, no, because I think um, one word. I, oh, cheating. No. no. <laughs> Fifth. Fifth. Well, for me, they, for me, they sneak fourth. Um, so anyway, thank you very much for joining me, guys. Uh, James, anything to promote at the moment? What's your latest article or interview that you've got out at the moment? Uh, latest uh, publication is Liam Bridcut. Uh, that was published today on World Football Index. Uh, upcoming publications include uh, Gareth Hall, formerly of Chelsea and Sunderland, and Kevin Ratcliffe, former Everton defender. And where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at JamesRowNL. And Tom? Yeah, I'm on Twitter as Alano11. It's mostly just me moaning. So. Just, just like the rest of us. Yeah. yeah. Anything recently for yourself, and where can they find you? Yep, um, as you said at the start of the show, I'm, I'm on Anfield Index, which is the Anfield Index uh, and Anfield Index Pro, which is the paid side. Um, if you want more Liverpool content, and for me personally, it's at Guy Drinkle, which is at Guy Drink El. Well worth a follow, um, and obviously just follow Man in the Post on all social network at Man in the Post for everything. Um, recent po- podcasts include we had Dave and Chris doing the weekend review show. Um, on Friday we will have Chris and his merry band of merry men um, talking about basically all things football all over the world, um, and they will also cover the games Thursday, Friday that are upcoming. Um, so just give everybody a give everybody a follow, give everybody a listen. Um, let us know any of your feedback um, and anything you want covered. Eleven pieces of me will be back soon. Um, we're going to try and get one recorded this weekend. Um, and apart from that, just always remember to keep your man in the post. Yeah.